Gotta love Larry and Kathy, right? So to know Larry and Kathy, you got to watch a video like that because Larry can bring the heat, right? He brings the heat on Sunday mornings, but th- that's really them right there. That, and they're just a lot of fun. So good morning, White Ferry Road family. How are we doing this morning? Okay, so like a couple of you guys are fired up over here, but I mean, we're in the presence of the Almighty this morning. Good morning, White Ferry Road. Are we doing all right today? Okay. How's my crew in the Fellowship Center this morning? Good morning, Fellowship crew. Yes, sir. Yeah, there we go. I love it. I love it. Christian, great job this morning leading worship. Uh, and I want to say what's up to our live stream family as well. Got to say hello to them this morning. We are starting a new series, and I'm so excited. But I've got my main dude, Isaac Lee. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, let me t- tell me a little bit something about you. What, what do you like to do? Play baseball. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Praise God. What position do you play? Pitcher. Mm, all right. I'm just going to share our, our scripture today, our scripture reading. So you're reading out of Daniel chapter 2, correct? Mm-hmm. All right, let's hear it. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Amen. Good job, Isaac. Well, I am excited. I don't know if you can tell yet, but I am really fired up to be here, to be among family, to be uh, this time of year. It is an exciting time of year. It's really my favorite. I love fall. Uh, anybody else? Fall? Huh? You guys ready for that pumpkin spice season, Kim Stevens? Huh? You want that pumpkin spice in your life? I know you do. That's it, girl. Uh, you know, I, college football is back, guys. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. It's game week. It's, it's, it's week one. We actually had some ball games yesterday. Also... Kids are back in school. Praise Jesus. Yeah. I'm fired up about that. Get out of my house. I'm kidding, baby. I love you. Um, But it is an exciting time, and it is a really, really exciting time to be at White's Ferry Road, too. Uh, I'm thrilled to get the honor and privilege to kick off this sermon series called Kingdom Life. Kingdom life. We're going to be ramping up as we build. As Larry talked about, we're going to start building towards One Kingdom Sunday, October 2nd. But we're going to start a six-week sermon series on what does it mean to live a kingdom life? What does it mean to, to, to be a kingdom man? What does it mean to be a kingdom woman? And we're going to talk a little bit about all of that. I'm excited. Next week, Alan Robertson's going to come back, and he's going to tell us about kingdom marriages. We're going to talk about how to deal with a kingdom response to evil as Mike leads us on September 11th. And then our women's retreat, our first White Square Road women's retreat, which my wife is directing, is is kicking off. I know some of you guys are like, yeah, what is that? I don't know. You'll see. You'll see. Uh, uh, That'll be, we'll we'll have a welcome home Sunday for our women. And uh, we'll get to hear uh, from some of our ladies that day. And then the week after that, we will talk about kingdom men which Colin Dunn is leading our men's retreat. So exciting for our second uh, iteration of that retreat as we build the One Kingdom Sunday. It's going to be a phenomenal time. I'm, I'm fired up. If, if you're not fired up to be in the kingdom, I don't know what, what, then why you're even here. Maybe you're just checking a box. But let's be fired up today. Can we be fired up today? I want to be fired up to live in the name of Jesus Christ. But in order to talk about kingdom life, we've got to understand kingdom. Like what the word actually means. See, the, the Greek word, and, and, and forgive my, my ignorance on any pronunciations, but the Greek word uh, for kingdom is basilio. Basilio. 
which actually means rule or authority. You see, so many times when we're talking about kingdom, what do we think of? A territory, right? The, uh, the, 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 we've been watching the Chronicles of Narnia, like the kingdom of Narnia or the kingdom of Saudi Arabia or the, like it's a, it's a, it's a territory in our mind, in our earthly minds. But when, when it's interpreted in scripture, kingdom is actually interpreted as rule or authority. That changes the way we understand what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about his kingdom. It's important to understand what kingdom actually means so you can understand the context of what you're reading. See, you're not just entering into a place or physical realm. You're entering into the rule or authority of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. You see, when we think about the kingdom and we think about the word kingdom and what it means to be under the rule or authority of Jesus Christ. He says, not everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will enter the kingdom. Why? Only the ones who do the will of my father. Well, what's the will of my father? Romans 12, 1. Spiritual sacrifice. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's your true spiritual worship. You see, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to submit. You have to surrender yourselves under the rule and authority of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Right? So you're not entering a physical realm. You're entering under the rule and authority of Jesus Christ. See, the kingdom, the idea of the kingdom, it is the unifying agenda of the story of the Bible. Without the kingdom... And without understanding the kingdom, the Bible then just becomes a bunch of random stories. You see, it's all connected from the beginning to the end. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a unifying story. See, I didn't really understand that growing up. I, 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 you know, you, you, you get the Jonah and the whale and you get uh, Daniel and the lion's den, which is all good. We want to have some, uh, you know, some good stories and some understanding for our children. But I didn't understand that it all actually connected and everything actually talks about Jesus. Old Testament, too. It's all connected. It's all one unifying story. To understand the kingdom is to understand God's mission and the Bible as a whole. As, uh, as Isaac just read in Daniel chapter 2. I want to reiterate it again. This, so this is Daniel interpreting a dream for Nebuchadnezzar, for King Nebuchadnezzar. And as he's, as he's describing the dream, he says, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. You see, the reign, the rule, the authority of Jesus Christ endures forever. I like that song that um i forget how it begins but it's kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something say with me about that name.
right? Kings and kingdoms will all fade away because there's one true kingdom that will endure forever, and that is the reign, the rule, the authority of Jesus Christ. You know, two weeks ago, Larry Bowles was here. And one of the things that he said, he challenged us to read the red letters in our Bible, right? He challenged us to read the red letters. And I hope that some of you guys have been doing that. I certainly um, responded to that challenge, especially leading up to this week. And I've been all up in them red letters because there's some goodness when Jesus speaks, right? But what did he talk about when he came? Because I think a lot of times we're like, all right, Jesus, you know, we, 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 uh, one thing I love about White's Fair Road is that we are a gospel-centered church, right? The gospel is of what importance? First importance. So the gospel is of first importance. But was Jesus coming around preaching the gospel? No. Why? It hadn't happened. It hadn't happened yet. Now, he foretold it, and he gave some, some, uh, uh, some prophecies. about. Like he, he kind of foreshadowed it, right? But he wasn't preaching the gospel. What was he talking about? I'm just going to just jump in and out of Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a net let down into the lake. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What was Jesus talking about? The kingdom. Jesus was talking about the kingdom. Why is that so important then? We have to understand what kingdom life is all about if we're going to really follow Jesus Christ. Because kingdom life is surrendered to the reign, the rule, and authority of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus didn't come to preach the gospel. It hadn't happened yet. He came to talk about the kingdom. The kingdom he established. The kingdom that is to come. And a kingdom life which is available to everyone. So let's talk about kingdom life. There's a few things about kingdom life that I want to share with you this morning. First is, the kingdom life is counterculture. Kingdom life is counterculture. You see, Jesus came to flip everything on its head. And it kind of hacked some people off. He didn't respond to the way that everybody thought that they that he should respond. He didn't enter. He didn't come in the way that people thought he was going to come. He didn't do the things that people thought he was going to do. He didn't meet with the people and minister people that people thought he was going to minister to. He was very counterculture. You see, one of the things he did is he welcomed everybody into the kingdom. He said, kingdom life is available to everyone. And the Pharisees didn't like that so much, right? Why? Because they thought, hey, man, this is our king. This is the king of the Jews. Like, this is, it's not available to everybody. And we've been doing the work here. What, you can't just now welcome just anybody. You've got to earn, like, like, look at all the work that we've been doing. You ever feel like that? You're like, man, I've been doing, I've been reading my Bible every day. I've been praying. I've been, I haven't missed church in six years. I've been in a small group. Why is God blessing them? See, that's just our flesh, by the way. That's just our human nature. You know, we feel like if we put in the work, we should get the rewards. That's not how Jesus did things. 
You can look no further than the Samaritan woman at the well to see how Jesus responded counterculturally. Right? So there's a few attributes about the woman at the well. One, she was a sinner. Five husbands living with one that's not even her husband. Right? That was a no-no. Number two, she's Samaritan. So as a Jew, he's not even supposed to be talking to her. And then number three, she's a woman. So strike one, strike two, strike three. You know, we typically don't like when things don't look like us or talk like us or sound like us or do the things that we do. Jesus came in and flipped everything on its head. It'd be kind of like, you know, speaking of college football, you'll find out I'm a big college football fan. I'm very excited about the college football season. But it'd be like Brian Kelly, who's the new head football coach at LSU, walking into Tiger Stadium, 100,000 rabid LSU fans. He walks out to the 50-yard line, pep rally. He's ready to roll, and he says, you know what? Roll Tide. I've lived in Louisiana long enough to know that he would probably actually be crucified for that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mistake. But that's what it felt like to the Pharisees, by the way. Jesus coming in and being like, hey, this Samaritan woman, she is is just as important as you are in the kingdom of God. That's counterculture. But we typically don't like when things are different. I'm from Florida. Any other Florida peeps in here? I know Florida right here. Got some Florida peeps? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Madden's up in there. I love it. Uh, and also, I, I, have a, you know, I have a unique background. My dad, uh, who's watching, by the way, what's up, Daddy? I don't know where, which, which camera's on, but I want to say hello to Ricardo Lee in the house. He's watching from Nashville. I love him. Give a kiss to Mama for me. My dad is from Panama. He's, always, he's a, what we call Panameño, uh, but he's Chinese. So he's, you know, Latin American culture, but... He's got um, Chinese in his blood. My grandmother, of course, the same way. I used to joke, you know, we, I'd go to my grandma's house and there'd be bonsais in the front yard and empanadas cooking in the kitchen. Now, I'm going to tell you what, come on. Ready for that? Getting hungry all of a sudden. I'll wrap it up so we can go to lunch and I'm going to find that empanada truck. But, I, so I have a little bit of unique perspective. My mom is from New York, so I'm Chinese-American. And, and I, um, so I don't really look... I don't know. I don't, I don't look like everybody else. I don't feel like I look that much different. But I was at Harding University where I attended college. I'm a freshman. Go to a freshman orientation. And, I, you know, you're, you're doing a meet and greet and all this stuff. And I'm making my rounds. And I talk to this guy. And he's clearly never left the state of Arkansas before. And uh, I'm sorry, Mike. Wherever Mike, <laughs> wherever Mike Kellett is, I just love on him a little bit. Woo pig, okay? But I'm talking to him. And he goes, hey, man. What are you? I was like, a freshman? He goes, no, 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 no. I mean, like, where are you from? I said, I'm from Florida. I don't know. You, but you, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, when, when someone looks or ta- acts or talks differently, like, we got to know, like, hey, what's up with you? Because you're not like me. But through the blood of Jesus... We're united all into kingdom life together. You know what I'm saying? 
And, I, and I, that's one of the things that I love about White's Ferry Road. We kind of look different. <laughs> don't we? Don't we? I mean, look across the aisle. They, they don't look like you. You don't look like them. But we're all united by the blood of Jesus Christ. Some of my best friends in the world I would never have thought I would meet. But Jesus. You know what I'm saying? We're going to hear when we get back from, or when the women get back from their uh, women's retreat, you're going to get to hear some testimony. And we're going to hear from Mindy Lancaster. Hey, girl. Hey, now. And Mindy... No reason why she should be sitting right there. You know what I'm saying? I didn't plan on getting emotional today, but I love that woman. <clears throat> she has her family stripped away from her at a young age. That doesn't look like that doesn't look like my story. But through the blood of Jesus, through kingdom living, now she's a powerhouse in women's ministry, a powerhouse in our church, a powerhouse in our community, speaking all over the, the United States sharing the gospel like that is kingdom life right there the very next week we're going to hear from my boy brian rucker i know b's watching in the uh in the fellowship center what's up Ruck? love you one of my best friends in the world now no reason why we should be friends he don't look like me i don't look like him you would have found me i'm from orlando by the way that's a different kind of florida that's not your panhandle going to the Gulf Shores, whatever. That ain't Panama City. Orlando. I'm talking about blonde tips, earrings, punk rock band, okay? If you can picture that. And then here's one of my best friends in the world. Spent time in prison for dealing drugs and gangbanging. And by the way, we both work for your church. I don't know what that says about you, but you know. But that's kingdom life, man. That's kingdom life. I would have never met Brian unless for Jesus. I would have never met Mindy except for Jesus. Because Jesus was counterculture. He says, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that you need to stick to this or stick to that. Kingdom life is everybody. It's available to everybody. Anybody who does the will of God, calls on the name of Jesus and surrenders their life to me, can live a kingdom life. That's what kingdom living is about. You think about like the actual, like, what, like counterculture. You want to you know what counterculture is? Read the Sermon on the Mount. Read the Beatitudes. That's counterculture. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. He didn't say, blessed are the rich. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are those who have the most Instagram followers. Blessed are those who get all them likes on Facebook. Like, comment, and subscribe. That ain't the blessing. Doesn't say blessed are the Pharisees, for they have memorized the scriptures. You know, he valued matters of the heart, not works. Right? Counterculture is different. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When you really think about that, blessed are the poor in spirit. When you come, Jesus says, when you come to me emptied out, completely emptied out of, when you have nothing left, that's when I can really do some work. Come to me, all who you are weary, and I will give you rest. 
You see, he asks us to come completely emptied out. Be poor in spirit, and then he will lift you up. He will make you strong. He will take you out of the mud and set you up on the rock. That's counterculture living. It's not what you can do. It's what he's already done. Blessed are the persecuted. That's counterculture too. You see, Jesus preached about his kingdom and they killed him for it. In our culture today, you know, what, 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 does, what does our culture say about us right now? Live your best life. You hear that one? Live your best. I'm just living my best life, man. Live your best life. That's just nonsense right there. That's just nonsense. Because our culture says that there's your truth, there's your truth, and then there's my truth. And they can all coexist. Y'all seen that bumper sticker? Coexist. Because if you speak about the truth, you'll be canceled. You'll be persecuted. You'll be shunned or you'll be marginalized. That's persecution too, you know. He never said it was going to be easy. Kingdom living is not easy. You will face trials of many kinds. I've been crucified with Christ. In this world, you will have trouble. You know, like he's saying, like, hey, it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But thank God there's a second half to all those verses, right? He'll make you mature and complete. Nevertheless, I live. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And everything the Pharisees thought he should be, he turned it upside down. He turned it upside down because they wanted him. They wanted him to enter on a horse and chariot. He said, no, I'm going to come in on a donkey. And instead of using a bunch of scholars, I'm going to get a bunch of ragtag knucklehead fishermen and we're going to change the world together. And instead of coming for the healthy, I'm going to come for the sick. And you can be strong, but I'm going to make you sure that you're weak first. And instead of crown of glory, I'm going to choose the crown of thorns. And I'm going to come off my throne and get nailed to a cross. And through my death, I will give you life. That's kingdom living. Kingdom life is here and now. It's right here. You see, I think we we think a lot of times about, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. What's the next part? Thy my kingdom will come, right? Which typically in our own feeble understanding, in our own feeble understanding, we would say, thy kingdom come, that means it's not here yet, right? If, it's, if something's going to arrive, that means it's not here yet. But that's not what he's saying. In Luke chapter 17, <clears throat> the Pharisees actually ask God about when the kingdom would come. Luke 17, verse 20, he says, once... On being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. 
So the kingdom of God is in your midst. But don't you have a better understanding than that now? Understanding that the kingdom of God is actually the rule, the reign, the authority of Jesus Christ? They're sitting literally in the midst of the kingdom of God. And they're like, when's that kingdom of God coming again? The kingdom of God is here and now. You see, we, we, we are a gospel-centered church, right? So you see the gospel symbols. We, we, we love this. We put this. We tattoo this on our bodies. We put it on our license plates. I have one on my truck. Uh, it's a great way to share the gospel. But sometimes we think like, hey, we're just, we've gotten to the point where we're just waiting. You see, where we are in the, uh, if this were a timeline, we're right now in between those last two arrows, right? Jesus has ascended and he's coming back. Praise God. But what do we do while he's, while we're waiting? Are we just supposed to sit here and just let, man, if we just be still and wait on the Lord, he'll come back. There is something to be waiting on the Lord, but you have to understand those translations too. That's waiting with expectation. That's waiting while worshiping. That's waiting while serving. You see, we have a job to do. We have a mission to keep. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm running through these quick, so sorry if I'm not, you know. Join with me, but I'm, going, I'm kind of going fast because I've got a lot to go over today. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Praise God. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's what Jesus was doing. He was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made firm. I'm sorry, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, you are an ambassador of the king. You have a job to do. You represent Jesus everywhere you go. We are not waiting on the kingdom to come. The kingdom is in our midst. In fact, the kingdom is living within you. When you walk around with that in your mind, everything changes. The lens in which you view your world changes when you understand who you are in the kingdom. You see, in Revelation 1-6, he made us to be kings, priests, ambassadors. You are a king. And Jesus isn't threatened by you, by the way, because he's the king of kings. Amen. Kingdom life is here and now, but also kingdom life is who you are. Kingdom life is who you are. See, I think in our world, a lot of times we we feel like we have all these problems in our culture. One of the main problems that we have is an identity problem. We don't know who we are. We don't understand who we are through God's eyes. We understand what the world has told us about ourselves. And we believe those lies. We believe that 
what, what, our, what the world has just pounded into our skulls on who we, are, who we think we are. But no, no, that's not how God sees you. A lot of times when we don't know who we are, everything else falls apart. And I'm going to tell you a tale of two kings. First is my man Simba. Y'all know this dude, right? Yeah? I love the Lion King. Any Lion King fans in here? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Wow, Simba gets some applause. Awesome. You see, Simba, his father, Mufasa, who was the king, died in a, in a tragic accident, which was orchestrated by Simba's uncle, Scar. And through that, Scar, his enemy, tells him the lie that it's his fault, it's what he did, and he chases him out into the wilderness. He says, never come back. Never come back. He actually sends his hyenas out to kill him, and he, and he escapes, and he gets out into the wilderness. But never, ever come back because you did this. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you've gone so far away from God, you've done so much wrong that you can't come back? And you hear the enemy, you hear the lie telling yourself, do not come back. You cannot come back. You've gone too far. So Simba goes out in the wilderness and he lives in the wilderness. He meets his friends, Timon and Pumbaa. But he's not living as a king. He's not living as a king. He's, he's instead of going after, I think zebra would have been his favorite food in that movie. I don't know. But instead of going after a feast, he's, he's scrounging through logs for, for bugs and maggots and worms and eating off of that. So he's forgotten who he is. Finally, his friend, Rafiki, the baboon, who knew his father, or correction, I know your father. Those who that know that. I told you I love Lion King, Dennis. I told you. He reminds him. He says, you know what? The king is still alive. And he lives in you. You see, he had forgotten who he was. He had forgotten that he was a king. And that he had his father, his, the king, living inside of him, giving him that strength, giving him that power. And so he goes back to take his rightful place in the Pride Lands. There's another king I want to tell you about. It's King David. The King David, kind of the same story. You know, as, as he grew in, in, in power and he kind of made King Saul jealous, King Saul chases him out into the wilderness as well. And so he chases him, trying to kill him. He goes and hides in a cave. But the difference between David and Simba, which I know, just stay with me on that. I know that's kind of a stretch. But the difference between David and Simba is that David knew who he was the whole time. You see, back in, in, in 1 Samuel... Uh, David was anointed under the Lord's command. And when he was anointed, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. See, David knew who he was. He was anointed to be king. He had a kingdom mindset. He was living a kingdom life. He knew who he was in the kingdom. He would later be promised a kingdom. He would later be promised. He would be made king. The Lord's spirit would turn away from Saul and he would raise up David as king. And not only that, he would make kings and kingdoms through his line. The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, 
has triumphed. Revelation 5, 5. See, David knew who he was. See, some of y'all are still out in the wilderness. Some of y'all have still forgotten who you are in the kingdom. Have forgotten how God sees you. How God knows you. That God created you. That God loves you. That God has adopted you as a son and a daughter of the king. And has made you a king. You've forgotten who you are. You're still out in the wilderness eating bugs, maggots, and worms when you should be feasting in the kingdom. Remember who you are. Because when you know who you are, when you know who God is and you know who you are in the kingdom, everything can change. Everything can change. I want to look at Psalm 57. Turn with me to Psalm 57. I'll give you a second for that. Because this is important. You see, while David was in the cave, he still knew who he was. He knew that he could call on the name of the Lord. He knew that he was a king. He knew that God had already brought him through victories. You see, God didn't choose, again, counterculture. God chose David. Do you know that David's brothers were all bowed up and like they, they was the last guy that anyone else would have picked? Even Samuel, as he's walking, he sees his brothers he's like, well, surely it's this dude. Because this dude, he's all swollen, you know. Just Kyle Smith looking dude, just walking around, just, you know. Okay, Smitty, I see you doing. But no, they chose a little shepherd boy. Because God said, I don't want anybody thinking they're too strong. It's going to be my glory that comes through. David knew that. David knew he was anointed to be the king. And so while he's being chased and run down into the wilderness, into the cave, this is what he says. And I want to read the whole psalm. Psalm 57, verse 1. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. You see that? He comes expectantly. Right? He knows the disaster will pass. If I put my faith in him, the disaster will pass. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. But then look at what David says here. This is really important. Be exalted, O God. Above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. What was David's primary purpose in that cave he's being chased down his life is being threatened he's i mean think about it you're in a cave like where else you gonna go you step out it's sure death so you're just waiting for the disaster path and what does he do be exalted oh god my heart is steadfast why because that's a kingdom man right there that's a kingdom man he knows that everywhere he goes that's kingdom ground That's a kingdom man. 
You see, a king, a king doesn't have to fill out a resume to be a king. Feel me on that? King doesn't apply for the job. He's just a king. He's born into royalty. So when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you are baptized into his name, you are born again into the kingdom. And you are a kingdom man and you are a kingdom woman. That's who you are. See, kingdom life is not something that you do. Kingdom life is who you are. You don't dabble in kingdom life. Sean Tonham just is here this morning. What's up, Sean T? I love Sean Tonham. If you don't know Sean, get to know Sean. I don't know. He, don't, he, he hates his attention right now, so don't look at him. Look at me. But when I see Sean Tonham just, I don't go around and like, okay, that's a guy who has a landscaping business who serves in the kingdom. That's not who he is. He's a kingdom man. And he happens to do landscaping. But he's a kingdom man. When I think of a woman like Dana Lowry, I don't think of her as a mother of four who also comes up here to serve in our children's ministry. No, 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 no. That's a kingdom woman. That's a kingdom woman right there. How do you want to be described? Are you a kingdom man? Are you a kingdom woman? You don't dabble in kingdom life. It's not something that you do. It's who you are. We are kingdom men and women, people. It's time we started acting like it. So we're going to take some time right now. We're going to pray. We're going to have some elders down front. Fellowship Center, we're going to have some men and women to receive you. For our live stream audience, we're going to have an elder. Today's the day. Today's the day to start walking, living, and breathing kingdom life. If you haven't been living kingdom life, today's the day. We're not going to wait anymore. Because when you're a kingdom man, when you're a kingdom woman, everywhere you step is kingdom ground. And if you've been out in the wilderness eating bugs and maggots and worms, it's time to come back home and feast in the kingdom as a kingdom man and a kingdom woman. It's time today. Maybe today's the day that you're ready to surrender unto the rule, the reign, and authority of Jesus Christ. We've got some water right here. It's time you get wet. It's time to say, you know what? I can't do it anymore. I want to be poor in spirit. I can't do it anymore. I want to be poor in spirit. I want to be meek. I will be persecuted for you. I will mourn for you. You, I will be weak. I will delight in my weakness so that your strength can be lifted high. If that's you, today's your day. Don't wait another day. And if you've been out in the wilderness, it's time to come home. So let's stand and sing.